You're listening to DraftKings Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Journeyman. Today is a special day because we got my former teammate, Cleveland Brown legend and new Hall of Famer, Joseph Thomas, in the building. We talk Joe's Hall of Fame weekend, week one NFL action, get Joe's Super Bowl picks, and the best non-QB players in the NFL. That and so much more. Let's get into it. Who are these guys? It's my theme music. Every good hero should have some. This is an institution of learning, ladies and gentlemen. If you can't control it, how can you teach? Discipline is not the enemy of enthusiasm. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Journeyman, presented by the good folks at the DraftKings Network and Meadowlark Media. As always, I am your host, Andrew Hawkins, seven-year NFL veteran, um, zero and five record in opening NFL weeks in my NFL career. I literally never won an opening game, uh, but I did average 50 yards a game, which isn't good, but for me, it's it's really good. Uh, but all those stats <laughs> are a good confirmation of why this podcast has been called Journeyman. But none of that matters because today is a special day. Our co-host today is the one, the only, 11-year NFL veteran, 10-time Pro Bowler, 8-time All-Pro, NFL All-Decade Team, and officially NFL Hall of Famer, Mr. 369 himself, Joe Thomas is in the building. Joe, what is happening, dude? What's up, my brother? It is so fine to see you on this morning and to hear your sweet, dulcet voice <laughs> introduce me and introduce the show just the way we used to do when it was the Tomahawk oh, show all those days. years ago. Good days. I think it was not yesterday. It was many, many yesterdays many ago, moons. but it's an honor to be on here uh, as your guest today. Dude, I, I've, I've missed you. This feels right to do a podcast together. We've, we haven't done this enough because... I'm way too famous, and um, that's okay. That's that happens to the best of them, and that's that's quite all right. But it's good to see you, man. How how is everything? I mean, I mean, we would be remiss if we didn't open up with Hall of Fame weekend. That was I was there. It was mm-hmm. dope. People have asked me what it was like. I've talked about it on this show, but uh, now we get to hear from the man himself in the real thoughts. Because I don't feel like you really give anybody mm-hmm. else your true thoughts. I think you that's only right. give them to me, or at least that's what I like to think to myself. Correct. So you tell me. How was Hall of Fame weekend? It was incredible. It was better than I ever could have anticipated. Now, don't get me wrong. I was exhausted when I got home. Like you I didn't want to talk to anybody. I didn't want to <laughs> see anybody. I wanted to lock myself in my parents' basement and just have my mom bring the meatloaf down for like three days and just nap. Mom, I was loaf. pooped. Mom, the meatloaf. Uh, <laughs> however, it was so cool because guys like you, guys like No Face Dan, Fat Nat, yes. so many people – that were part of my life, that were part of my journey from when I got to the NFL to being elected to the Hall of Fame this summer, all the way back to my high school coaches from football came. I had a high school basketball coach that was there, my buddies from high school that I played with, uh, high school football, basketball track. Like everybody that was part of that journey was there for the most part. Um, And to kind of get everybody back in that one space and to be able to spend just a little bit of time with everybody and kind of reminisce and Talk about the the glory days. Yeah. It was really, really special. And then um, the Browns just really blew it out for me. They uh, they did. Yeah, and then I was the first Hall of Famer since the Browns came back and the first Hall of Famer for the Haslam's. They spared no expense on the party on the yeah. week. So much and money being they, spent. Uh, they, uh, they burned a lot of 
Greenbacks in my behalf, like which all, was very All special. of us players there that came back, former players that were your teammates in Cleveland, we were like, this is, it feels like we're celebrating the Super Bowl that we never won. It didn't come <laughs> it close. It did feel to like it. that Super Bowl party, right? It did. That one that we never had. Yeah, it felt like, man, we did it. We all were walking around like we accomplished something. We didn't. You did. Uh, <laughs> but the rest of us thought it was. What was the worst part about Hall of Fame week? So the biggest challenge, I'll say, for me is that two like years ago, this that. is right after we, um, we disbanded Tomahawk Show. Uh-huh. At the time, it was the Tom and Hawk Show. Yeah, it's kind of a funny story. We'll yeah. talk about someday. Absolutely. Um, but after that happened, I got sick that summer, just normal routine cold, and just tried to power through it doing media stuff. Lost my voice, and it was gone for like six weeks. And I ended up getting polyps on my vocal cords, so I had to get a couple surgeries, got them mm-hmm. burned off. But I've never had my full voice back. Like mm-hmm. I can't project as much as i used to like my kids are super fortunate because i can't yell at them with the super loud <laughs> scary dad voice anymore my mom would have got uh, and that. when i do i lose my voice in like 30 seconds so i got to be a little bit careful about how much and how loud i talk like going to a concert is like out of the question these days unless mm. i just sit there like quietly which is no fun at a concert uh ah, so sucks. i'd have to do the andrew hawkins at a concert just like sit there and act awkward uh, <laughs> which i don't like to do but because of that as as you saw a little bit of when you were at the Hall of Fame, there's like a gazillion events. And every event is a small talk meet and greet. Hey, how are you? Oh, th- congratulations. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. You know, like you're just doing this on repeat for 10 hours for like almost 10 days straight. We got there Sunday and we didn't leave till the following Monday. And so I was sucking down cough drops like uh, Johnny Manziel was sucking down beers when he was the quarterback <laughs> of the Browns. And... By by the end of the week, my stomach, I felt like I had an ulcer from all like the fake sugar and the cough drops. Uh And my mouth had this like rash on the inside from so many cough drops Uh trying to keep my vocal cords moist enough to be able to speak. But also I was really cautious to try to talk like too much. And I think by the end of the day, my voice just got super tired. So that was the biggest challenge from Jeez. from a perspective of like the Hall of Fame just making you talk too much. I was when I when I seen you at your party, I was like, "Yo, he is exhausted." Like you <laughs> were so like tired. you look like a zombie. It was yeah, dope yeah. to have everybody there because the cool thing about yeah. it is basically like a wedding. You get two it opportunities is. in life for everybody from like all your places to be in one place. One is at the wedding, and then the second one is at the funeral. Right. <laughs> you, because you hit the Hall of Fame, you got an extra one. And yeah. it's, it was well deserved. And it did feel like a really cool moment for all your worlds to collide. And I would imagine for you, it was like, man, this shit is dope. Yeah, it was cool. It felt like uh, I got to attend my own funeral. Yeah. Like, uh, hopefully all those people are there to celebrate me. Because when you're celebrating the wedding, you're really just celebrating the bride. Right, right, And, right. like, the husband's just there just tagging paying. along and being I, the trophy husband like we are, of we're course. We're two good-looking guys. And, that's of course, yeah, everyone's like, dang, that's, you married him? Yeah, like how did you do that? Wow, good wow. for you. Like yeah. I, when uh, when you brought her around, we, we thought you were joking because you know you're so fine and she's just real. Yeah, I kicked her coverage. Yeah, no, yeah, exactly. right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but no, it was really cool. Like you said, having everybody there. But it is like a wedding where you only get like two minutes with everybody, I and didn't... then you're like getting pulled in a different direction, which is sad because honestly, I woke up on Sunday and I was like exhausted, but I was still riding the high from the party. And I kept saying to Annie, like, did we get a chance to talk to this person? Did we spend enough time nah, with these man. people? Because everybody that came, you love and is such a big part of your life. And in <sighs> any normal situation, you would have spent the whole night hanging out with them. That was, But you just don't have that much time. That was the worst part of the wedding. Like, I look back at my wedding and I sit, spent the whole time saying hi to everyone. And I'm like, I didn't enjoy that at all. 
That reception sucked. <laughs> I felt like I was running yeah. for office. So the fact yeah. that you didn't do that was the right move. And yeah. we all still had a great time. I didn't know you and your friends invented the term white boy wasted because the <laughs> Wisconsin boys, I have never seen. Sh- there wasn't a shirt on by midnight. Mm. And was, it was all my friends that should have kept their shirts on. That oh, had them helicopters, off. Guys like bro. you that should have taken your shirts off and shown off a little bit. <laughs> no. You had that shirt buttoned up all the way, Chris to the top. style, all the way to the top button. To the top. Nobody wanted to see my uh, hairy f- uh, former football player fat abs is what they're called. You know, all the abs get like chubby, except you. You lost all your weight. I gained it all. I had my first 73 Kolsch that weekend mm. during your Hall I'm of Fame gonna, speech. I went I'm not going to ask. It was awesome because I know you don't like beer. It was great, though, man. I don't like beer. And I was like, Mm -hmm. I see what the hoopla is about. This is legit. This is legit. That's real love right there. That is real love. How's the family? Family good? The family's good. And I think after thinking about the Hall of Fame, you know, I felt like I wanted to spend more time with everybody. That was like the biggest regret. But then Annie kept saying it was not possible. So don't worry about it. And then I instantly thought about the kids. And I got to look back at all the pictures and videos and talk to them kind of one-on-one. Like, hey, what was your experience? Because kids are honest. Yep. Like, they'll tell you exactly what happened and what like, they oh, felt and Hawks if they liked down. it. Yeah. yeah. And so I was like, what did you guys think? And they all had such a great time. They talked about how much fun it was, how proud they were. And so then for me, I was like, that's it. Like, for your kids to say that they were proud of you as a dad, yeah, that's, that's, that's all you need in life. And I could have had that make, make that could have been my funeral at 4 a.m. when they put me to bed <laughs> instead, because I, I don't need to do anything else in life now that they're proud of dad. Such a noble thing. How, who wrote your Hall of Fame speech? Because I know your dumbass didn't do it. That was of an course. incredible speech. <laughs> well, the good news is No Face Dan and Mark Bona from the Cleveland Plain Dealer. They uh-huh. actually did a book. Um, about kind of like a biography that I helped them write. I I have no financial stake in it whatsoever other than their friends. And so I said, I'll, I'll help oh, you guys. Cool. I'll open up interviews and I'll give you, you know, whatever you need of my time and my parents' time, my coaches and that stuff. And then you guys just write the book and it's on you. So, uh, NFD had just recently been a part of writing the book. So uh-huh. who better to like write the speech <laughs> for you than the person that just wrote your biography that knows your own quotes better than you do. Yeah. Um, so he wrote the first draft, gave it to me, and then I kind of pared it down and then changed a few things and added a few things that maybe he wouldn't have known about that happened before my Browns time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just also like current things that have happened in the last five years that I think were important and just kind of where my brain was in the moment. Yep. Um, and then the hall of fame actually gave you a speechwriter. Uh, her name was Jezra and she's done a bunch of these. She's not like a football person at all. She yeah. comes from, I want to say like the piano world or something like very creative and, and dialed in and detailed. Um, and she was awesome because my speech was like 2,500 words. And I think we had to get it down to like 1500 to be somewhat within the time frame, which uh-huh. I was not. Um, and she did a good job of kind of asking the hard questions like, hey, is that person really important enough to spend like 30 seconds or should we spend that 30 seconds talking a little bit more about your wife or your kids or like this coach that was super important? And I I think it's it's hard to hear because you're like, I love that person. They were a big part of my life. But she's like, yeah, but at what expense? Like you only have (laughs) 10 minutes. So do you want to like cut out some of your wife's air time? Smart by the league. Smart by the Hall of Fame to hire the person to make sure you're within 10 minutes so the broadcast... That's doesn't right. get overcharged. That's brilliant. That's right. That's yeah. good business. So do we want to cut like uh, the wife down to, hey, baby, I love you. 
and then move on? Or do we want to say like, why we love you? Uh, right. So that we, you know, you just got to make those decisions. But um, it was great. That's awesome, man. Well, it was an incredible weekend. It was well-deserved. I wrote a really heartfelt Twitter thread mm. that you didn't see because there was a million tweets coming in. You should go back. I might <laughs> read it on air next week. It was very, very heartfelt. Yeah. Um, and I meant every word, man. It was really, really cool thing to be a part of. Update on my end. I've moved from L.A. to Florida. I live in Florida now. I'm in Miami, which is making me think about working out. I haven't started yet. But everybody down here is in shape, and they have tattoos. So I'm like, okay, I can't be the old 5'7", chubby former football player uh, walking around on South Beach. And Austin, Did you get a tattoo at my party? I almost that could did. have been your opportunity. They were all Cleveland themed, and I didn't know if I was ready to go with the <laughs> Cleveland skyline as my first tag. Uh, but I've, I've been thinking back. about it. That I've been thinking beautiful. about it. Austin, who is my son, he's 11. He is also thinking about getting tattoos because mm. he's playing youth football down here for mm. the first year of tackle football, Joe. And if there was an exchange rate on football, 11-year-old football in South Florida is equivalent to probably junior varsity football in Wisconsin. And Pennsylvania, where we're from. <laughs> Maybe up. <laughs> it might be. There are kids on yeah. this team that I know for sure are going to the NFL. And they're 11. It is <laughs> That's scary. Amazing. He was like, how did you do your first game, Dad? I was like, well, I scored five touchdowns. Um, <laughs> but I wasn't playing against Florida International the way you are. Uh, so it is, it, is a, it is a different game down here, Joe. I'm just telling you that right now. Dude, how is Austin playing against these fools like is is he holding his own is he able to like score some points is he able to elude some people it's like they only play one side of the ball so he's playing Everybody corner and safety offense. every once in a while he gets he does offense but that's where they need him it's a yeah. it's a weird thing bro i'm mm-hmm. telling you i mean they got tunnels they run out they got music during the game oh my gosh. like it is Oklahoma's, you know how all that stuff, this is how I know Twitter is in a real world, and we're going to take a break here, but this is how I know Twitter is in a real, real world. Because all I've been reading about on Twitter is how Oklahoma's are the most dangerous thing you've ever done, and nobody's oh, allowed to do them. And if you do them now, you get the chair mm. or life in prison. Mm. That tweet never made it down to South Florida. <laughs> I'm talking about Oklahoma's daily. <laughs> like, these dudes are not playing. And they talk to the kids like Deion Sanders talks to Colorado. Mm, mm. So just saying, if there's anybody with a chance to go to the Hall of Fame, it's Austin, just based off of statistics of where he's at now. This might have been the best move for him. And you think a 5'7 dad uh, means <laughs> that he should play corner? Because there's a lot of 5'5 five, five and 5'7 five, corners? Well, here's the, here's like, the thing or, has, oh, no, even better, safety. you got him at safety, which, of course, nobody wants big safeties anymore. Nobody's right? looking for big little safeties short on defense. The, the, here's the thing that's working in his favor. He's 11, and he's 5'2 already. Okay. My freshman year in high school, I was 5'3. So oh. I'm thinking he got his mom's height, which is good for him, and ultimately, in the name of LeVar Ball, good for me. Let's take a quick break, Joe, <laughs> and we're going to come back and talk a little NFL Week 1 action. We're back here on Journeyman, of course. I have the best co-host in the history of co-hosts, Joe Thomas, joining us here on Journeyman, presented by the good folks at the DraftKings Network and Metal Arc Media. Joe, it was week one action this week. I'm, I'm, I, I'm asking you, because now you're a way more important deal than previously, did mm. you get a chance to even watch the games? 
I did. It was actually uh, one of those rare Sundays where I was able to kind of absorb most of them, even though it was my number two daughter's birthday. So we had a little birthday party in the backyard. Happy birthday. The schedule timed out perfect. So being in Wisconsin, obviously there's 90% Packer fans. You get a few Bears fans, Uh a few Vikings fans, but it was Packers Bears in the afternoon. And so the party was in the afternoon. So I got to watch Browns on one TV put the red zone on with our good friend, Andrew Siciliano on the other yep. side. And it was a great day. Like there wasn't as many crazy games with barn burning endings that you saw like in recent years. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it was still a good weekend of football. There was weather that played a part in a lot of games, which felt weird for week yeah, one week to one, have like sucks. all this weird rain, like screw things up. Um, and I think that kind of led to some like, uncharacteristic special team scores and defensive scores and bad offensive outings. Um, But it just still felt great to have football back, to be able to sit there and just absorb everything that came in on a Sunday and then wake up on Monday and think about, Hey, we still got one more treat this afternoon uh, or tonight with Aaron Rodgers, the debut as a New York jet. That happened two days ago, Josh Allen and the Buffalo bills. Joe, that happened two days ago. That was a great game two days ago. It was the best. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to try to get me, but I actually watched some games this weekend. It was great. You did. Okay, so did you – have you watched Sunday Ticket? Uh, Well, that was one of my surprises when I woke up on Sunday. Um, (laughs) I've had Sunday tickets since I got out of the NFL because living in Wisconsin, they don't have all the Browns game, right? So you got to find a way to get it. Working with NFL Network, you can get like the international game pass as a uh, courtesy pro bono gift. Yep. So you can watch them like on your iPad when you're traveling, which is great. But at home, you want something a little bit more reliable. So you you splurge for the NFL Sunday ticket so you can watch that game and you can watch whatever game you want. Um, well, I woke up Sunday morning and I turn on the direct TV and I'm like, <laughs> uh, where are the football games? Because I've been hearing Travis Kelsey tell me all offseason that all my sports and all my NFL is going is to be on direct TV. False advertising. And apparently that's not the case that's because they don't have the Sunday ticket anymore after like two decades of being able to watch all NFL games on direct TV, which makes me wonder. Why do I have direct TV anyway? This is the first time I've turned yeah. on the TV in like four months. Well, that's it why. Was to watch one thing. That's why they've paid Kelsey for people like you to <laughs> trick you into believing they you me. still have it so you don't cancel your direct TV. That's right. So when so you I- had direct TV, was it grade the viewing experience? Rate it one to 10. It was like a, a nine. I rarely had any problems. At the beginning, I had a little bit of an issue getting the satellite uh-huh. to work consistently. Okay. Um, but after that, it was fine. And I, I had I had no problems. And I enjoyed the ability to watch like three games or or was it like six games at once on one TV or yeah. four games. Like you you could, especially if you had a bigger, like a projector TV, which is what we have down uh-huh. in our theater, you could put six games on and then choose which audio you wanted to watch. That was awesome. I, I enjoyed that. I mean, that's to me what the fun of an NFL Sunday is versus like college football, where college football, you may have one or two decent games early in the season. The NFL, it's like, wow, there's like five or six games I'm really excited about. And they're all playing at the same time at noon. And I, I'm not a gambler anyway, but I can't gamble anyway because I work for the NFL. But if I could and I did and I was. That'd be this amazing. Perfect. Be, I feel like you're at a sports book in your own house, just sitting there and betting on games. And you're looking at like six different sweet games going down to the wire right at the end. I never had Sunday ticket, never experienced it. It was 1246. I'm coming from church. My son is like, dad, how are we going to watch these games? The Hawk Bowl is today. The Browns and the Bengals are playing Ooh, each other week yeah, one. How are we going to miss? So on the way home as I'm driving, which is not smart, I do not condone this. I signed up for Sunday ticket on the way to the house. 
No, you didn't. I did. I signed up. By the time I got to the house, I had Sunday ticket. I signed into my new YouTube TV account. Okay, through YouTube. Through you didn't YouTube. get fooled by Travis Kelsey. No, no, no. I, 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 I thought you were that. like ordering the DirecTV no. NFL package, <laughs> yeah. which I don't even know what it is. They're trying to but put I'm a dish on at 1 o'clock on Sunday. <laughs> no, so I, yeah. I, and I, I watch it. I'm not kidding, Joe. This was the best viewing experience of football I've ever had. So what made it better, though? I don't know because I don't know what it was, but the four games at once, I had two screens going. I had my 65-inch, and then I have like a – remember the screen I had in my home uh, studio? It was the one with the VCR on the bottom, right? Yes, yes, exactly, with the big projection in the back. Of course, I would never throw that away. So I had four TVs on – or four games on each TV, so eight eight games going – so you watch nothing. You're just like so confused no, and bamboozled. Just like I have your eyeballs going in different directions. I was absorbing all it all. Games. And I'm like, this is amazing. <laughs> and not only that, there was a play that happened. I think uh, Rashid Saheed, who is a receiver for the, the Saints, scores a touchdown. I'm mm-hmm. like, man, that dude, that was quick. I wonder what other plays he's had. Mm-hmm. And so I clicked down to look at his stats. And at the bottom, on the TV, I can click stats. You can see all the stats of the game. You can click key plays. And I clicked his name, and it showed you every time he touched the ball the entire game. No way. And so I start going to every game, and I'm like, yo, they might have just changed my life. Because now I'm going to watch all the key plays that Lamar Jackson made or this. And I could see exactly what kind of game these people had. Mm. I was like, I went immediately to the Twitter or X.com, whatever, you know, whatever you celebrate. And I set up – I said, this is amazing. YouTube is my week one MVP. That's awesome. I mean, I will say in YouTube's favor that the experience of signing up was very easy. It was very simple. There wasn't like a crazy long contract (sighs) that they were going to tie you up into knots and like saw you in half if you ever wanted to get out. (laughs) Um, It was very simple to find it. Like I logged into YouTube, which I had a YouTube account already. Not that I post shit on YouTube, but signed in. And then it was like, would you like to watch Bengals Browns? I was like, click, boom, right there. I'm like, this is so easy because we watched through our Apple TV at home. So it was Uh really easy to just like go to the YouTube app, um, which most of those streaming services are a fucking nightmare to be able to find out where live sports are. <laughs> right. So props to YouTube to not spend any money advertising the fact that they own NFL ticket and putting it all into their technological uh, advancements because the viewing experience on YouTube for NFL ticket is far better than anything that I've experienced as far as the streaming world bro. goes. And can you imagine if that's how good week one is, which usually week Dude, one this is, is the week one of the first year. Could you imagine yeah. what this is good? And you know what? Dude, this this sounds amazing. like an advertisement. This sounds like they paid us. We're not getting paid to a put, cent. We're not a, a single cent. That is how great the experience is. We should cut this up and probably get some some, some advertising here. Um, <laughs> all right, so you said the Bengals and the Browns. That was the game that you and I probably were most interested in, and a lot of yeah, people. Of course, it, was a, it was a good matchup. Hawk Bowl, yeah. everybody says that. Um, and by everybody, I mean myself. And <laughs> the Browns got the better of the Bengals in a, in a, in a big way. Bengals, Jamar Chase was talking some, some, some cash money, SH, you know what, mm. coming into the game. And they weren't able to make good on it, man. What were your what were your biggest takeaways from the game? So I think everybody's takeaway if you watch the game was how good the Browns defense looked. That defensive line is totally different than it was last year. And it goes to show that Miles Garrett is clearly one of the best defensive players in the NFL. But if you only have one good defensive lineman, offenses in the NFL are smart enough to figure out ways to double team that dude. Mm-hmm. And they can kind of limit what you can do and they can still run the ball and they can still throw the ball down the field because you're double teamed. And I don't care how good you are, unless you're maybe Aaron Donald, 
like you, unless we'll you're an that. inside player that's getting steady pressure up the middle, it's hard as an edge player to do it all by yourself. But now that Miles Garrett has Darius Smith and he's got Dalvin Tomlinson on the inside and they play a lot more man coverage in the secondary. So there's not yeah. the confusion that they had last year about, Hey, you got that guy. No shit. I thought I got that guy mm-hmm. uh, touchdown other team. Um, their defense was incredibly dominant. Jim Schwartz has just allowed those defensive linemen to pin their ears back and go and stop the run on the way to the quarterback. And that was really, to me, the story of the game. Obviously, the weather played a big factor. Like, it rained really hard. And neither quarterback had great stat line. Like, Deshaun played better um, with the eye test and with the numbers. He had a few big moments where he ran with the football, including one rushing touchdown where the Browns ran a power to their left side and got into the end zone. Amari Cooper did a nice job kind of running the corner into the safety and then the corner didn't crack replace. And that's what you get when you run the quarterback, when you got a a weapon at quarterback, you add an extra blocker in the red zone. That's so important because the spaces and the windows are so much tighter. Um, But Joe Burrow, I'm going to say he looked a little bit rusty and I don't think it was just because of the weather. When you miss that much time in training camp, I think he only had three or four practices before this game. Mm -hmm. He just wasn't on the same page with those receivers. He was And in bad weather, If you're a quarterback that can't really scramble, that can't extend plays, it's hard for those receivers to get open. Like, you know what it's like when it gets slippery and the weather gets bad. You need more time to get open because you're not as quick getting out of breaks. You're not as quick getting down the field. And it really is a huge advantage towards teams that can run the ball and quarterbacks that can run the football. Joe Burrow, I mean, I I agree with everything you said. My thing about Joe is he always starts slow. Like, I think he always had – has well, he's always injured. Weeks. He's always coming off like something yeah. crazy in the offseason. He got a yeah. One thing he came off crazy was a bunch of M's that the the Bengals. Were yeah. you surprised the Bengals gave him that much money? I was surprised, and I'm a former Bengal. Yeah, I was surprised because we've never seen the Bengals actually pay somebody anything fair like they ever in like, their history. Like they literally don't care. Even Carson Palmer going back uh, to when he was there, they they just like would keep lowballing him until he finally was like, I'm out of here. I'm going to go play for uh, the the Raiders or the Cardinals, like anywhere but here. And so I was very surprised. um, But I I think that today's day and age, you realize when you have that dude at quarterback, you can't play around with that. You can't. Do not play with fire. You're going to wet the bed. And if you play with Joe Burrow and you try to mess with him, like you may be able to keep him around for a little while, but eventually he's going to get that Kirk Cousins treatment and he's going to be like, peace, I'm out. I'm going to go somewhere else and find somebody that's going to pay me. And then your franchise is back to being the team that can't get to the playoffs. The interesting thing about Joe Burrow and the other quarterbacks this week that pretty much everyone that got paid this offseason didn't play great. Justin Herbert played okay. They lost to Tua and Tyreek, which we'll talk about that because they looked amazing. Jalen Hurts didn't play great. Lamar didn't play great. Burrow didn't play great. Trying to think who else. Daniel Jones played horrific. I mean, he looked like. He took a ski mask off and was like, ha ha, gotcha. I <laughs> got ya. <laughs> so he's going up to the owner's office today to get his check with a ski mask <laughs> on for a couple of reasons. But one, because he stole from them. And two, because he doesn't want anybody to see him. He's so embarrassed to be picking up those gold bricks. So do you think it's a, you think it will, it will be an issue for how much they, they're starting to play quarterbacks if they're not getting this kind of return? No. Because that position is so far and away more important than anything else that happens in a football (laughs) franchise. I don't care who your head coach is. I don't care who your defensive end is, your left tackle, your pass rusher, your cornerback. Like, if you got a great quarterback, you got a chance every week. If you don't have a great quarterback, you have no chance. Look 
no further than the New England Patriots, who I know we're going to do Super Bowl picks coming up pretty soon. Yep. Spoiler alert, they will not be my Super Bowl favorite. They're oh. going to be last place <laughs> in the AFC East. And as great of a coach as Bill Belichick is, greatest of all time, uh, and as long as he's been there and the systems he's put in place are better than anywhere else in the NFL, like they stink because their quarterback, Mac Jones, is not good enough to consistently win in the NFL. He'll do mm. some good things because he's not terrible, yep. but he's not an upper half of the NFL quarterback. Uh, and so the fact that these guys are getting paid the way they are is because YouTube is forking over gazillions of dollars <sighs> for the Sunday YouTube ticket. Again. And everything is going up price wise because we're willing to pay for it because it's yeah. the best product in all of entertainment bar none hands down and so the owners have to spend the money on something so they're going to give it to their most valuable asset which is quarterback yeah well unlike the owners i would have paid you two double what i paid them for the experience that i got but we'll continue to talk more nfl after a quick break all right joe super bowl pick it's been one week i think that's more than enough information and insight for you to make a very um accurate super bowl pick and if you get it wrong it will hurt your media career because I'm going to spread it everywhere. So, oh, give it to yeah. me. What is who yeah. is your Super Bowl winner for the 2023 season after watching one week of NFL football? If I can't pick Browns versus Browns in the Super Bowl, which would be my <laughs> first choice, uh, yes, I think it might be like a Hawk 2.0 Super Bowl because yeah. it's going to be Browns versus the San Francisco 49ers. What I saw about the San Francisco 49ers, mm. Brock Purdy, Kyle Shanahan, and their dismantling of the Pittsburgh Steelers, who I think are actually going to be a pretty good team That'd this be season because I believe in Kenny Pickett. I believe in that defense. I believe in uh -huh. Mike Tomlin. I don't think they're garbage. I just think that the San Francisco 49ers are on a different level with that defense. And I think Brock Purdy fits with what Kyle likes in that offense. Not that I want to compare him to Brian Hoyer, but as far as like skill sets go, like – Kyle can put a game plan in front of Brock Purdy that he knows mm -hmm. that he's going to be able to absorb and he's going to be able to just check the box everywhere, right down the list. Da, 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 da. He's not going to give you anything crazy outside the box. He's not going to escape, extend the play, do something magnificent like a Lamar Jackson yep. or a Deshaun Watson. He's not going to hit some amazing throws down the field like we see with Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes. But Kyle has a certainty with what he's going to get out of his quarterback and it allows that savant brain of his that beautiful mind to be able to expand the things that he can do with his offense to be able to put all those other weapons in a great position and i think that is going to be so pivotal for them that they're going to just steam yeah. right through the nfc which is super weak this year super weak uh and and go to the playoffs and play the browns i like that i like that pick my super bowl right now after week one is miami versus san francisco Mm, okay that, halfway there that is so that's like hawk 3.0 ball it's the 3.0 McDaniel, mcdaniel shanahan this is this is a culmination mm -hmm. of everything we've predicted for five years now mcdaniel for people that don't know on our show the tomahawk show we were the first people to say mike mcdaniel will be a head coach in the nfl because we had him he's a brilliant dude everyone was like that pipsqueak and now look at him he's got tua looking like a hall of famer this week against the chargers he also has tyreek hill tyreek hill might be the best football player in the NFL. I'm trying to think. It's fun to talk. I mean, it's fun to talk. Go ahead. It's fun to talk. <laughs> it's fun to talk. It's fun to talk about who's the best non-quarterback football player in the NFL because there's actually some really good discussions because I think when you just talk who's the best quarterback in the NFL, it kind of stops after Patrick Mahomes. I mean, there's some yeah. arguments with the other guys, um, but it is fun when you're starting to compare apples and oranges like your defensive guys versus your offensive guys. You mm -hmm. know, For a while there, a lot of people were saying Travis Kelsey is the best non-quarterback in the NFL. And hey, maybe 
he proved it by not playing yeah. uh, on the season opener there when the Lions beat the Kansas City Chiefs because it didn't look like the, the Chiefs offense really had much continuity with anything. When Patrick Mahomes doesn't have that little check down to Travis Kelsey where he always they just seems to find that little window, they're always on the same page with that stuff. That's a good discussion. Who is the best non-quarterback football player in the NFL? Because they did look bad. My man Kadarius Tony was – he was mm, getting some tough day. He was getting some arrows shot at him, man. There was a lot of drops that I know that yeah, that's a tough that's a tough place to be in. I, I can imagine because yeah. I think of Patrick Mahomes like the new Tom Brady, and that's like half the reason I retired. I didn't want to be the Kadarius Tony to Patrick Mahomes to Tom <laughs> Brady, and that be my legacy. So I was like, yeah, I'm just gonna hang him up. So I didn't even go into the season in that game. The Lions obviously upset the 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 Chiefs, even with no. Travis Kelsey, and I think in turn made you and I look stupid, Joe, because one thing we've always said was that whenever you get a new coach, how we always determined whether this coach was going to be shitbox or not was the first thing they said was, I'm going to make you guys tough. And it was like, (laughs) oh, because nobody's thought of that, Brainiac. (laughs) But Dan Campbell has come Mm, into the Lions, said that. And has done that, and now they are having success. So why do you think Dan Campbell has been so successful with that philosophy versus the 10 head coaches you had in your tenure as a Cleveland Brown? Well, I think it's a really difficult answer here. Um, Dan Campbell has better football players than the coaches (laughs) that I had that came in and said, let's be tougher than everybody. Uh, But also, on a more serious note, I do think that even though Dan Campbell on the outside is sort of a rough and tough, like Parcells type, you know, let's just kick their ass and bite their kneecaps type guy. I think players have a different love for him than they mm-hmm. did for a guy like a Bill Bel- Belichick or Bill Parsons, who maybe they 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 don't love, but they certainly respect. Mm-hmm. Because it seems like Dan Campbell wears his emotions on his sleeve. Does, and I think, man. you know, as players, like, if my guy is honest with me, that's what I want from him. Like, mm-hmm. if he's hard on me, that's what I want because he's getting the most out of me. Now, if he's making me do Tennessee drills like your son down in Florida <laughs> every day and, like, shortening my career and, and herniating more discs in my back, by the way, I'm dealing with the pinched nerve right now, not a lot of fun. Um, but, like, if he's, like, significantly damaging my health and my happiness long-term by the stupid stuff he's doing on the field, and there's no, like, goal in mind, it's just let's be tougher – to me, that usually means let's be tougher is I don't know how to coach anything else in football. So I'm just going <laughs> to hang my hat on the buzzwords that I heard by watching yes. the Junction Boys in the 1960s. <laughs> like, oh, let's just be tougher and better conditioned than everybody else. That's what okay, Why do did we think of that? What? Yeah, let's but, tuck our shirts in. Let's yeah, tuck our yeah. shirts in at practice. Like, oh, man, yeah, I wish okay. you would have known that last year. Thank yeah, you so much, coach. That's yeah. a genius. Had you done that, you would have won the Super Bowl. Goodness Unfortunately, gracious. you were 0-16. <laughs> um, so, but I think Dan Campbell, he brings like a realness, an emotion that I think players relate to, and so yeah. they love him because of it. Um, and I think also there's no way, even if he wanted to do like the crazy shit that we did back when we started in the NFL with two-a-days and the crazy-er shit that they did 20 years before that right? because the rules just don't allow it anymore. And so, yes, having toughness, yes, being a coach that holds your players accountable. Those are all really important things. There's no mm-hmm. doubt about it. Um, but do you really always need, always need to embarrass them in front of all of their teammates every day? Like, <laughs> eh, maybe not. And I think Dan Campbell seems to walk that fine line of being an emotional coach, being a mm-hmm. tough coach, but also being willing to put his arms around his team and be like, we're brothers, we're doing this together. And I think the players respect that about him. Yeah. No, that, that, that's spot on, man. And I, I, I agree. He does wear – there was like a, a press conference where he was talking about maybe cutting a player, and he like got choked up. And for me, I was like, oh, yeah, that's the kind of guy. I want, I want it to matter to you. I want you to actually care about me 
And I think yeah. that showed that he does do that. And to your point, when a coach cares about a player, you can say whatever the hell you want to, especially in the NFL, because they're professionals and they get it and they understand. And ultimately, you just want somebody to understand what you have going on, which is why we love Shanahan and McDaniel yeah. so much, because they wanted to win. But equally, they would say, man, we want you guys to individually be successful because we know this is a game that you're playing for your livelihood and you want to get big contracts while you win. So we're going to make sure our goals perfectly align in that way. It was funny because a lot of times uh, when people would ask me about Kyle Shanahan, when they heard stuff about him, this was almost right when he got to San Francisco or maybe Mm -hmm. even before he got there. And people were like, I heard he's so hard to work with. I heard he's like a jerk and like people in the building hated him. And I'm like, you know, I heard a lot of that same stuff too, going back to Washington and right. then in Cleveland. And, and maybe there was some of that, but to me, that was because he was so detailed and yeah. so precise with exactly what he wanted. Like he knew every single thing that he wanted down to like what color pens and what size yep. uh, micro signal uni balls he wanted in everybody's room. And if he didn't get that, he was upset because he's like, this is what it takes to win with my system. Yeah. And he held everybody accountable with the same standard. And as linemen, that's why every lineman's always loved him. Like first, First of all, his offense is amazing and it makes our job way easier by running the outside zone, running the play action pass and limiting some of the drop back pass. Mm -hmm. But also he was the only offensive coordinator I've ever had that he held the receivers responsible and accountable to block. You used to love that shit. That's one of the things he loved about you because you actually went in and you would throw your body in there, all five, seven of you, and you dig out that safety. And he showed you, though, this is why he was a genius. He showed you why that was important mm-hmm. for you to be able to catch the next 50-yard touchdown pass. Yep. Because he's like, hey, man, if we're going in there and you've got uh, well, like a drift route or what's the, what's the drift. one over That's the middle? That's good memory. Yeah, yeah the drift. drift. He's like, if you got a drift and you run in there and when you're blocking that safety, like you're going in there half-ass and you barely hit the guy, he's not going to think you're running past him. Yep. And the next time, all of a sudden you're running in there really hard. He's going to be backing up because he knows you're running a pass. But if you run hard every time and one time you go and you hit him and you block him and you smoke his ass and the next time you go in there and look like you're about to smoke him and all of a sudden you run a takeoff, boom, and you run behind him, like he's going to be confused and now you're going to be a hero. So by giving this little extra effort, like I realize I'm being hard on you and you're not used to being yelled at, like every receiver in the NFL (laughs) is used to being coddled because they're such babies. All of a sudden you're like starting to think like a lineman, like, wow, like maybe my job is important when I don't have the football in my hand. And that's how he gets all 11 guys to buy in. That's why you see no matter what the injuries are that they have, like they're finding the next man up mentality really works when you have a true team that's playing together on an offense that actually relies on each other. It's not just one guy go do something good and hopefully everyone else holds on to their ass. It's it's why they've had the most uh, dysfunctional quarterback room over the last four years in the NFL, but nobody really talks about it because they're still good because his team is built as a real team. Like they, these things all work together. And if one person yeah. goes down, it doesn't make or break our season. Maybe unless it's Bosa, which plays into the the conversation of who is the best non-quarterback player in the NFL because he is the highest paid non-quarterback. Who is your answer? I'm going to exclude all the Browns players right now. Okay. So basically I'm, I'm excluding Miles yes. Garrett because that's sort of been my go-to for a while, but mm-hmm. I, I think it's maybe not fair to always just be the homer. But yeah. Yeah. I think at the I end agree. of the season, you're the journeyman audience thanks you for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think at the end of the season, you're going to look at his stats and what he's done destroying people that hasn't always got noticed in the last couple of years because they haven't had the team success and their defense wasn't that good. Um, but outside of him, I would have to say it's it's a receiver, like a, a Justin Jefferson, maybe. Yeah, it's a good one. <laughs> it, it's hard for me to argue against that. And I I, w- I really want to have this as a reoccurring conversation yeah, just between you and I. I love it. Because 
it should change. And it's fun to compare J- Justin Jefferson and Travis Kelsey, who don't play the same position. Mm-hmm. And it's even more fun to compare those guys to the impact that a guy like Nick Bosa has on the game, which when Nick Bosa is rolling and he's got some good coverage behind him, which he usually does in San Francisco, like he is a problem and you can't run anything on offense. He completely shuts what you're doing down on offense because you can't run the ball and you can't pass block. And so having a guy like that as an eraser, uh, it changes the game. However, I still lean just a little bit more that an impact receiver like a Tyreek Hill, Justin Jefferson, that is the most important position because that's the guy that unlocks the potential of the most valuable position on your team, which is the quarterback. I like that, Joe. I'm so proud of you. We had a discussion on who was the best non-quarterback player in the NFL. I said Tyreek Hill, and you completely throw me for a loop and you go with a wide receiver in Justin Jefferson. <laughs> I think we are finally have reached our... Our, our, our hey, peak chemistry. We're here. We're here. We're going to take a quick break and come back and talk even more football because Joe Thomas, mm. the Hall of Famer, is in the building. Yes, y'all. And we don't stop. Another quarterback that played this weekend, pretty decent, uh, Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson seemed like the Sean Payton hire for the Denver Broncos is going to be fruitful for him in his career because, honestly, Joe, I hated the fact that everybody – I felt like everybody turned on Russell Wilson – Last year, not just like it it felt deeper than football. And I get it. You know, people say he's corny or, you know, he's always trying to get the right answer. And obviously you understand that. And that's who he is. But I felt like when he started playing rough, which he did, and he was getting paid a lot of money, it got real personal. And I for whatever reason, that shit rubbed me the wrong way. And I was like, Mm. all of a sudden, they act like he's not a Super Bowl winning quarterback. Like he hasn't been to the Super Bowl twice. And, yeah, he had a good defense and whatever. But what? What Super Bowl winning team doesn't have those things? So anyway, you are a Wisconsin guy. You know mm-hmm. Russell Wilson. Did you have a perspective on kind of the whole saga? And are we past that? Are we going to ex- – do you expect to see a different Russell Wilson now versus you saw a season ago? It seems like we're going to see a different Russell Wilson. I wouldn't exactly say that I've got him as my MVP candidate uh-huh. okay. uh, right now. I mean, he had 177 yards passing. Granted, a couple touchdowns. He had a better completion percentage. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, he kept it tight against the Raiders, who I think are going to be a much better team than they were last year. Um, But here's what I'll say. So I've got a very broad group of friends. You saw it if you came to my Hall of Fame party. I got White Boy Wasted. I got Hawk. I got got everything. You got Hood. You got people from Wisconsin. You got Compton. He got uh, Albuquerque. It was truly a blend. And I'm even friends with some Italians. Uh, So, (laughs) And that's just because I like their food. But... (laughs) For me, like, if we're going to be friends, if I'm going to like you as a human being, I just want to know who you are. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't really care who you are. That's that's between you and whatever you believe in. And that's fine. But I just want to know who you are. I just want you to be a real person. And I want to know what you're feeling. Me and Alex Mack, he was my best friend in the NFL. And I think I got along so well with him, not necessarily because we were super similar, but I always knew what he was thinking. He yep. always wore his emotions on his sleeve and he always told, told you exactly what he was thinking. Uh-huh. And to me, that really built trust that built like a partnership and a friendship that carried on even after we walked off the field. And I've always said this about Russell, like, and I think you're right. Like it got personal. Like as soon as he started playing bad, people jumped on top of him because they don't like him, the person you're because right. of him being corny and the let's ride and like all the <laughs> other like goofy stuff that he does. 
but that's Russell. Like if you, <laughs> I, I know him a little bit. I, I'm not best friends with him. I, did, I didn't play with him, mm-hmm. but I've hung out with him a few times and he's just kind of a goofy corny guy. And that's just who he is. Yeah. So this like is not an act. It's not fake. Like phony. I can't deal with phony. Like I hate phony. That's my number one. No, no. Yeah. But Russell is just a goofy corny nerd. And he happened to be really, really good at football. And he happens to be one of the faces of a couple franchises. You know, I was obviously Seattle and mm-hmm. now being the face of the franchise in Denver. And it's also seemed like there was a lot of people that sort of took sides when he left Seattle w- between the defensive guys and him, uh-huh. because I think it was personal between them. And and I think it was less about a personality conflict or the fact that they didn't like that he was goofy, but they felt that he was the one maybe getting more credit than he should have. And the franchise wanted to sort of anoint him and it kind of hurt the feelings a little bit because it clout stealing a little bit of what the defense was doing out there uh, to be part of it. But I don't know if that was Russell's fault, but um, I I do like Russell and I'm happy that he's playing better in Sean Payton's offense. I hope he turns it around. I hope, I hope he continues to, uh, mature in the offense and he gets back to his, his rightful place. Cause you shouldn't be able to take away what somebody has done because you don't like them personally. That's the part that I think is, is kind of BS real quick. Russell Wilson story. What first time I met him, we were in Vegas. Um, I'm walking into whatever, some club he's walking in. He has a team. Obviously I don't have a team. It's just me, but the PS team recognized me because I think, you know, I had just maybe did the, kick my son out of the, the house video and it went crazy viral and it was the social media team and they're like, dude, who does your stuff? And I'm like, I do my stuff. They're like, man, that's awesome. Let me let me introduce you to Russell. Russell, this is Hawk. He plays for whoever. Hawk, this is Russell Wilson. I'm like, yeah, man, big fan. Like, where are you headed to? I'm like, oh, I'm headed into the, 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 the this club. And he's like, oh, I'm headed there too. And I said, oh, but I'm going to the hip hop room. And he looked at me like, <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, Why wouldn't yeah. I be going to? And I, I, I was like, "Oh no, no, I didn't, yeah, I didn't yeah. know." <laughs> and then he just kind of kept it moving, and I, yeah. I didn't mean it the way it probably came yeah. out. Yeah, yeah. But it was a smaller version of the club. So anyway, yeah, that was it. That's a good one. You were like, uh, "You mean you're not going to the Mister Rogers neighborhood room?" Like <laughs> yeah. I thought you were going to be hanging out with like the Barney songs and like the Diplo was something. playing that night. I'm like, "Of course you're going to go to Diplo. That's where everybody's yeah, yeah. going." I think he took it yeah, the yeah. wrong way. So all right, yeah, yeah. college football as he should have. We're going to bounce around now. So college football, Deion Sanders. <laughs> has taken over the college football landscape. He has Colorado now 2-0 against two decent teams he beat out the gate, turning a Colorado from that was 1-10 a year ago, flipping them around. I didn't think I would give a damn about Colorado at all. I hated the fact that he went there. And here I am watching every game, reading every article, and I'm like, wow, Deion Sanders is kind of like the LeBron James of college football because everyone has an opinion, and he doesn't care. He's just moving, and everyone is like, whatever. So I, my question to you, Joe, what do you make of the Deion Sanders era of college football and NIL? And do you think Wisconsin will ever be able to compete again? Wow. Uh, there was <laughs> a lot there and a quick question. One, I want to say, did anybody see what happened to Alabama this past weekend? The team that with Nick Saban was never going to get knocked off their pedestal. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you saw, but Texas is back. Spoiler alert. And Alabama lost, and it could have been way worse than the score indicated. Why do you think that me, is, though? Why do you think it's, it's because back? of NIL? Because they can, they can pay I know the that players. People had so many different opinions about NIL. And, and typically, especially because I feel like the college football audience is generally speaking a lot older and a lot whiter. And uh-huh. so old white people typically are very like 
set in their ways yep. and they don't want change and ah. it's been good for all these years. And so we don't want to do anything differently. <laughs> and yes, college football has been great. I love college football. It's amazing. It's fun to watch, but I like pro football more because there's parody mm-hmm. and there's a chance that my team might win the Super Bowl. Now, granted, the Browns have never been in the Super Bowl, but <laughs> this is the year. People are listening like, Joe, what the hell are you talking yeah, about? Yeah. So anyways, um, I said NIL is going to be the great equalizer and they don't have a salary cap. They don't have a adult in the NCAA who's able to get everybody in the room and make decisions that mm-hmm. individually may not be good for each uh, program, but collectively it'll be the best for college football. That's what the NFL had. And that's why they've been so successful because they've enacted things like a salary cap revenue sharing, um, a draft that gives a reverse order. The worst team in the NFL gets right. the first pick. And so they encourage parity all across the board. They force scheduling. So they don't, they would love to play an easy schedule, but they don't get that choice because it's a formula every yeah, year based on you where do. you finish. Yep. Right. And so they make exciting games and the NCAA has done none of those things. Yeah. Right. And so that's why you get these cupcake matchups for the first two or three weeks of the season, because uh, winning and being undefeated or close to it is so important. If you want to play for a national championship now, at least they're slowly getting there with the college football playoffs and they're expanding that. But to me, NIL is the best equalizer that we've had in college sports in a long time, because think about a Nick Saban team for the last 20 years, basically. He gets all the five-star recruits yeah, and then, you know, maybe 11 of them start on offense and, uh, you know, 11 on defense, obviously, because we're still playing 11 on 11 football. It's not Iowa. It's not eight on eight, but (laughs) there's a handful of dudes who are really, really talented, especially at the quarterback position, especially at those skill positions, the receivers, running backs, uh, so on and so forth that could easily go and make a huge impact and be the stars of other teams, but they don't leave because one, they couldn't transfer. And two, these other programs had nothing to offer them above Alabama and at Alabama, Nick Saban's like, well, what I'm offering you is the same. It's free. It's a scholarship, which you may or may not want anyway, but um, you're going to win a national championship here. We're going to develop you. And so this will be the best place probably for you long-term. And the the player's like, yeah, you were probably right. Or they get there and they thought they were going to be the starter but they lost the starting job, and so they can't leave anyway because there was yep. no transfer portal. And so now, um, but now, now with that, they get to come in, yes. make their money, transfer out if you're not playing, and make all yep. the other teams better, like Texas State, who mm-hmm. upends teams that they should be losing to because yep. of NIL. So we are in agreement that NIL yep. is better for college football. Agree or disagree? Agree. There you go. All right. Well, that this has been amazing, Joe. We appreciate you so much. For joining us here on Journeyman, we got to do this more often, dude. I feel like an itch was scratched that I haven't had in a very long time. I see why you're a Hall of Famer in the NFL's eyes. You'll always be a Hall of Famer in my book as well, brother. And that does it for today's episode of Journeyman. Shout out to everybody at the DraftKings Network. Shout out to Metalark. And of course, shout out to NFL Hall of Famer, our first Hall of Famer ever on this show, Joseph Hayden Thomas. Make sure you journey back next week. We'll be here, same time, same place. And until then... Tomahawk taking over for the 9-9 in the 2000s.